Welcome to Savage and Average. I am your host, Matt McChesney. We are down here at the lab at Six Year Football Academy in Parker, Colorado. We're on Zoom today, uh, and I am honored to have a, a great guest on today on episode eight. Uh, my man, Anna Brenneman, is joining us here. And if, you, if you're on social media, you see him everywhere. His show the, uh, is at the Brenneman Show on Instagram. Go make, make sure you go and follow that. His podcast is awesome. Uh, very, very good. Uh, opinion on all things football, fantasy football, uh, the three-time All-American tight end, played at Penn State and UMass back in the day. Um, <clears throat> like all of us, you know, the, every, the body only can take so much. <laughs> and we always move on to the now we're talking to each other about football instead of playing football. Uh, Adam, welcome to the show, brother. I'm so glad you're coming on. And uh, yeah, man, happy Sunday. What's up? Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk. I love, love following everything you're doing on social media and all, all the all the kids you're impacting, man. So I'm excited to talk to you. I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, we've been down here all morning doing yoga and recovery. And I love it. Yoga's, and yoga's king, man. Yoga's king. I king. wish I did more of that when I was playing. <laughs> yeah, you're not the only one, man. I, we always have uh, the great yoga Danny Poole in here. And he, he was my yoga instructor back in the day when I played at CU oh, yeah. years ago. And now he's working with all my guys here at Six Zero, And it's just funny how the full circle goes. So... All right, brother, let's get into this. Right off the bat, also, uh, remember that this first segment, our college football talk, is going to be brought to you by our good friends at Colorado Center for Functional Medicine. Uh, they were in here this morning talking to the Dungeon family. Uh, their isolate protein is what I use every day. They are awesome. Make sure you check them out, Colorado Center for Functional Medicine, on Twitter and Instagram as we roll in here to the college football talk. Matt McChesney here, and any of you that are looking to improve performance and get your health in check, reach out to our friends at the Colorado Center for Functional Medicine. Their men's health optimization plan is designed specifically for males that can identify specific health priorities, which many doctors fail to address. They use precision blood work, which looks at your hormones levels, your micronutrient levels, your insulin, and many other markers which are often overlooked. This plan can also include an advanced body composition analysis to see where your body fat, your muscle mass, your visceral fat levels are at any order to establish individual nutrition plans for every single client. Stop relying on fad diets, crazy workout programs, and bro science. Health and fitness are not the same thing. If you want true results, they can help you at CCFM. Mention the podcast Savage and Average to receive a 10% a 10% discount on every single optimization plan as well as a free body composition analysis and nutrition consultation. Their website is www.ccfuncmed.com. That's www.ccfuncmed.com or call them at 303-500-3038. Now, I have to ask you because I, 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 you know, was online and, and watching uh, the, the clip that you posted about Miles Brennan. Mm -hmm. And I, <laughs> I knew this was going to happen eventually, right? Where a kid gets paid, doesn't have, and then doesn't play. And then the, the companies are out their money. And look, I'm in no way, shape, or form advocate. The company's lost some money. That sucks. Um, I think that this is going to set a precedent for like policy, essentially, where now they're going to have to put into the contracts that you actually have to be on the team. Right. I mean, 
you had a very yeah. interesting perspective on this and I, I understand he's not going to give the money back, but there's just something about this and the old school way. I think that I don't like. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's something that obviously got a lot of people talking on social media. So of course I jumped in there and had to, had to post my take on it, but uh, right. yeah, I, I think, you know, the interesting part is that these NIL deals, um, you know, based on the, the federal legislation and NCAA rules can't be tied to performance. So, you know, it, it's really, it's an interesting, interesting, um, you know, you can't do a deal and say, you can't do a deal with a guy, you know, freaking, um, you know, McDonald's can't do a deal with an offensive lineman and say, hey, if you guys rush for 3,000 yards, we'll give you a, a bonus. You know, you can't tie it to performance. Why does McDonald's have to be tied to old lineman? What are you yeah, I know, right? I know. I, I should have said that. Come We're on. off to a bad start, man. We're off to a bad start. No, you know, I did that because I actually just saw that um, – that I saw Will Levis, the quarterback at Kentucky, posted that his offensive lineman just did a deal with Kentucky with with, with McDonald's. So that, that's nice. actually why I hey, that. Yeah, that kid, so, that kid, Will Levis is a baller, he's a brother. He's, he's a, a really, really Kentucky. Kentucky might scare some people this year in the East in the SEC. Yeah, I was actually just in. I was just in uh, Lexington interviewing Will Levis for for a show. So yeah, he, he's he's a good dude, man. He's a he's gonna be he's gonna play in the NFL for a long time. But uh, but back to back to what you asked me about. Sorry, I went off on my little tangent there. All good, brother. That's what we're doing this for. <laughs> we uh, with the Miles Brennan situation. I think that number one, it's it's another trend in the direction of more power to the athletes, um, more more rights to the athletes, and and the reality is in the NFL the same thing holds true. Um, you know, if if Odell Beckham signs um, and I uh, signs endorsement deals. Just because he goes and tears his ACL doesn't mean he doesn't get paid. If he were to retire from football, he's still getting paid by all the companies he's working with. I think the Miles Brennan situation is interesting because no one in the world thought he wouldn't be playing this season. You know, so it's like so out of the left field that obviously these these companies, when they when they factored in what he's worth to to their company for an NIL deal, you know, they were factoring in him playing the whole 2022 season. And obviously he's not now. So. You know, I, I think uh, it's, it's definitely causes a lot of discussion and controversy, but I think we're, we're in this day and age of more power to the players and, and kind of the professionalization of college athletics, um, you know, and like it or hate it, it's here and it's kind of something we all got to deal with now. Well, look, I, I love it. I, I want the guys to all get paid. My producer and my COO here at Six Zero, Travis Jones, said right in front of me, his son, Connor, just early enrolled in Michigan. He's a freshman up there. I want him to get a bag. Like I, every yeah. one of my guys all around the country, I want them to get bags. Cole Taylor's a big tight end at LSU that yeah. we put in from Grand Junction. I know you know him. I want him to get his bag, you know? So I love this. I think the NIL is is a massive improvement from when we played. I played way before you, but still, it was under the same pretext that, you know, we're amateur athletes. Um, where do you see this going from, like, a money perspective? I, look, there's there's freshman quarterback in the SEC that are going to make more money next year than, like, 12 starters in the NFL. So how long do you think that can sustain, number one, and then – do you think that this will like, and do you think that college will ever get to the point where they let people play past four or five years because of the monetary part of it? Yeah. There's so many different, uh, different scenarios, you know, like you just mentioned the kids wanting to play longer in college because they'll make more money, you know, and some kids may not play in the NFL and, uh, you, you got this scenario of, of like what what happened with Miles Brennan, but a little different of a scenario where maybe like a really good player makes 20 million in college and says, screw this. I don't want to play in the NFL um, and says, like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go, you know, 
do media or do, you know, I don't want to hurt my body anymore. And, and just, yeah, made I just enough played money six to, years and got paid. Yeah. I'm retired. Exactly. And so, you know, it's really interesting. Like the, the different um, paths that, that, that this could go down. I think from an NIL perspective with, you know, the quarterbacks making, you, you, you know, the, the, the kid that's supposed to go to Tennessee, the reportedly going to get $8 million or whatever the, the amount of money Ooh. is. I think, I think, um, Damn, I, I'll say that's all reportedly. I don't, I don't know that for sure, but that's what everyone's saying. I think, um, I think, <laughs> I think the reality is right now, whenever like something new comes about, there's always, you know, this like hype around it. There's like bad actors that come into it. I really think that eventually the market's going to going to kind of level out. Like it's not sustainable for these donors and for people just to be funneling millions and millions and millions of dollars. And, you know, in the, the, the difference between NFL endorsement deals and then college NIL deals is that in college, you have the recruiting aspect that goes along with it. Um, in the NFL, you know, there's no recruiting going on. It's just, it's just, you know, a, a company like Nike is like, Hey, what does this athlete actually bring to our business that, that helps us drive sales? And, and I know for firsthand, and you know, this too, from playing in the NFL, the amount of NFL players that complain that they don't get endorsement deals is like, uh, like ultra high. Like so many it's NFL guys, like, why, why don't I get, you know, I'm only making a hundred grand in endorsement deals, like firing their agent over it. Like, yeah. because it's the real value they bring to a company in college. That's not what it's about right now. It's about recruiting and inducements and businesses trying to support their schools by, by, you know, doing pay for play or bribing guys to come, you know, and say, we'll do an NIL deal with you for a million bucks to come to our school. It's unbelievable. But that's not actually what that play, that's not what an NIL was intended to be, right? That's not actually what that player is worth to that business. You know, he's not actually driving that value to the business. It's just a, it's just like a pass through entity to pay players. Um, So it's it's a way to support your university if you're a donor. Exactly. So which, which, you know, for, for whatever, whichever way you believe what it should be, that's not what it was intended to be. You know what I mean? It was intended to be for, you know, the, the average player, any player to go do a deal with their car dealership or go do a, you know, go, you know, sell jerseys. Like that's what it was intended to be. Not for, not exactly. Not for these collectives to like funnel together $12 million and, and, and convince quarterbacks to come to their school. So no matter what you think about it, I think at some point, um, the coaches want something to change. They, they, the coaches are begging. You have Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher agreeing that there needs to be some kind of legislation or some kind yep. of even playing field. Um, the businesses, I think right now everyone's jumping on it, but it's not sustainable. You know, the, the, that money that was, you know, that the money is going to have to level out at some point. I don't think we're going to continue to see the, the crazy amounts of money that we're talking about. And I just think that, I think that with, you know, with the new legislation, with the NCA now announcing, I don't know if you saw the other day, the NCA came out and said, uh, released a letter to all the schools asking them to help with the investigations they've been, they're, they're doing into like schools that have been using NIL money to, to pay their players. Why, so I think, why I would think I, anybody, why would anybody help the corrupt ass super hip critical exactly. NCAA? W- w- which was kind of, kind of the irony Get of rocks, thing, dog. No way. <laughs> which was kind of the irony of it. But yeah, I mean, there's so many different things, but I do think it's going to kind of level out here soon. Um, I don't know how soon, but um but yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I just think a lot of times people don't realize, you know, the difference, you know, the reason this is so controversial is because of the recruiting aspect of it. Right. You know, like that's yeah. what makes it so much different than everything else. I mean, it, there's conversations that I have with coaches and I won't name names, but when they're like, so how do I get this kid interested? And I just say into the phone, uh, you pay him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty, that's it's how pretty you get simple. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> you, you write a check. 
and you put yeah. zeros at the end of it. And then he says, <laughs> okay, I'm very interested in your school. Thanks coach. No, no. Um, all right. So look, you know, you're a Penn state. You're great up there. You played, you've played uh, in a very, you know, very, very, very good conference and the best division in football. Some would say other than the sec West. So, when you're looking at that division and the expansion that's going on in the Big Ten, the expansion that's going on in the SEC, where do you think they're going to go? Do you see four 20-team super conferences? Do you see Notre Dame joining a conference? One of my best friends is David Bruton, who runs the PT aspect of 6-0 here. He runs between the lines uh, mm-hmm. or physical therapy. He's a golden domer, and he's like, why would we ever join a conference? We've got college football by the balls, essentially. We get a huge media deal. We don't need to do it. After playing at Penn State, and then you went to UMass, you got both tastes. You got the Penn State and all the facilities and everything you could ever want, and then UMass is on the other side. I mean, you know that. Where do you think this is going to go with the the expansion part? And then, you know, do you like this? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, again, it it comes back to, like, just the the era we're in of of professionalizing college sports. You know, USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten has nothing to do with conference alignment or geographical alignment or school alignment or – Just money. It has to do with money. It's just just media deals. Uh, So I think think it's – and everyone, I'm pretty sure that's kind of the the notion within the media is that the Big Ten is going to try to get the 20 schools. Um, I think the Notre Dame thing is really interesting because – you know, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but Notre Dame's uh, TV deal and TV revenue the, uh, con- compared to what they have right now would be much, much larger if they were in the Big Ten. Um, now, the big, now, Notre Dame is going to be able to negotiate their own deal here soon, but there's a lot of opinions about whether Notre Dame can get to the revenue on their own that they would get if they were part of the Big Ten. And that, that's kind of up for debate, but um, I actually did, I wrote a newsletter about it a few weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think the Big Ten is going to want Notre Dame. I think you, I think you, um, I think the Pac-12 is is unfortunately um, going to continue getting getting raided by these schools. I think that if you're in the Big Ten, I, I think Washington makes a lot of sense. I think Oregon makes a lot of sense if they're going to have UCLA and USC. Um, but I, I think the Big Ten is going to be in a great position to kind of go try to get whoever they want. And and I do think I do think the SEC will get the twenty. Um, you know, and, ju- and just continue this trend of like just professionalizing the sport into these mega conferences. So who goes away? Um, is the Pac-12 the Pac-12's the the screwed conference, right? I mean, I, you would think they're so going to have to join the, with the Big Twelve, right? I mean, exactly. Yes. I mean, the, the reality yes. is, and and you're a Pac-12 guy, so you know this. No, I, 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 I'm a Big Twelve guy. I played in the Big Twelve. <laughs> that's okay. Oh, I, that's right. Okay. Hold I on. am I not a fan that. of like I, I think the move of the okay. Pac-12 you're was right. greedy and money motivated. And I was actually going to ask you this too. Big Ten loves pipeline, right? And like the the Big Ten commercial that comes up starts at Rutgers and goes through Happy Valley, and then yeah. you see that line, right? Now they're bringing UCLA and USC in, okay? And the line only continues from Nebraska to Boulder, and Boulder's an AAU university. And I know we've been down for fifteen years, but from a strong historical perspective, we're a top program. So, do you ever think that they would try and extend that opportunity to? Washington, Oregon, Colorado, Notre Dame, that puts them from 14 to 18. And then they're two schools away from that 20-team bubble. I was, I was actually just going to say, I think Colorado could make sense for, for the Big Ten. And, and you Are know, you just saying that to be my friend? No, no I'm not. I, Don't I, lie I, to I, me. I, 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 I tweeted that a few weeks ago. I'm going to find that tweet, and I'm going to at you in it, all right? I, I, I think Please I said, do. I think I said, like, some, like, two of the wild card teams that, like, no one's talking about that I think could make sense in the Big Ten are Colorado and then UNC from, from, from the ACC. 
I think North Carolina just like, fits where the Big Ten is. Obviously, you like know, then, you're, then you're splitting up UNC and Duke, which people hate. But you know, listen, they said the same thing when when the Big Twelve when when, when Texas A and M left the left the Big Twelve. Everyone 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 lost their mind. You know, everyone was like, how how is how is Texas A and M not going to play Texas every year? Like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And now Texas A&M's whole identity is out there in the SEC. <laughs> you know, oh, it's like, yeah, that's all I talk about. Texas is following Every, them. Exactly. Everyone just, everyone just adapts to where, to where they go. But um, yeah, I think, I think, uh, you know, I think Colorado could make sense. And, and, uh, and, you know, I, I think, uh, I, th- I think the big 10 is kind of going to be in a bargaining position here to do what they want to do. But back to the PAC 12, the PAC 12 has just been so bad for so long of like, just from a media standpoint, the PAC 12 network experiment has been oh, just, just brutal. Um, they, they've terrible, just, I mean, Larry, Larry Scott just ran that thing to the ground and I feel bad for commissioner. Um, uh, his name is his, his name. I'm drawing a blank on his name, the new commissioner of the PAC 12. He, he's got such a mess on his hands, but I think he'll be, he's a guy that can probably fix it. But the interesting thing is if the PAC 12 can get a good deal with ESPN done, that does give them some more leverage because with the big 10 cutting out ESPN from their media deal, ESPN now has to fill those time slots. They lost to the big 10. So that could be an opportunity for the PAC 12 to have some leverage and negotiate a really good deal. But I mean, the money the PAC 12 schools make compared to the big 10, the SEC and the ACC is pennies. Uh, well, so why, you know, why do you what, think that is? I mean, that that's, is it simply because they play at night or was it just bad negotiating? Because the, the yeah. whole point of CU and Nebraska leaving the Big 12 that started the exodus back in the day, mm-hmm. Nebraska goes to the Big 10, they get their big piece. They don't have to compete with Texas and the Big 12 network and all that. CU goes to the Pac-12 and it was supposed to be this, you know, like, hey, look at the money falling from the ceiling and look how look how rich we are now. And it's going to be our base and West Coast and yada, yeah. yada. How is it that, the, the conference of champions can't make money. I, they're on the same plane as the mountain West for God's sakes. Yeah. I, I, the, um, so the athletic, the, the news site wrote a great story on the PAC 12 media deal that, 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 that was signed like maybe like five, six years ago with Larry Scott. And it was such a great, a great write up. They found a bunch of information about like just how they botched the whole thing up. And the whole thing was all, was all jacked up and they had all these, these great options and, they just they messed the whole deal up and they bet on themselves because they wanted to, to they wanted to do the Pac-12 network. You know, they wanted to copy what the Big Ten did and do the Pac-12 network and not give all the games to to um, to ESPN, I think it was. And, and so but what happened is they botched the Pac-12 network. It, it wasn't Man. what the Big Ten network is. And and the reality is, dude, Pac-12 teams play on TV and no one can watch them. I mean, I, I, I you can't I even get the I don't Pac-12 get the Pac-12 network. network. Yeah. No one can dude. When I was coaching at ASU, my family would try to watch the games half the time, and you can't even watch them. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, that's the only conference in football that it's hard. Like, it should be the easiest thing in the world to find Pac-12 games. It's the conference of champions. You got USC football. You got Oregon. You got, you know, it's just like it, there's no reason for it, and and it and it's just hit the conference so bad. The 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 late games is obviously is what it is, but yeah, the. You can the trade off for the late games is you have LA, you have Los Angeles, you have you have USC. I mean, not anymore. You got, you got Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> yeah, I know. That, I mean, that's what they had, and they and they botch it all. Like it, it's just, it's really, um, it's really, it's a frustrating, uh, you know, thing to watch happen. But obviously, I, I you know, does the Pac-12 survive, and are they able to kind of merge with the Big Twelve? I think there's so many different scenarios that could play out. But the the, the big first thing is them is them getting this deal done with ESPN. Um, and getting their getting a, a good TV package back together for the for the schools that are, that are still part of it. 
Well, obviously, if CU could get into the Big Ten, I'd be happier than a pig and shit. But... No, no. And, 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 and the thing is, you don't want the Pac-12. Like, hopefully they don't go add, like, some, like, JV schools to the Pac-12 now. Like, that's, like, what you don't want. Like, like you know, they're, they're – they're, they're so You of, wouldn't they're... try and replace – like, if I'm the Pac-12, I would go, okay, we're losing the L.A. market. I'm definitely bringing in San Diego State. I'm going after Boise State now. You know, that BYU's gone. Who who else fits that profile? Because I'm looking at it like SEC and the Big Ten go to 20. There's 40 teams. The ACC, after the SEC takes Virginia, North Carolina, Florida State, those, you know, the Clemson, they go to the SEC. They have to fill their ranks. And then, obviously, I don't think the ACC goes away. I think they just fill their ranks with other schools. But if I'm the the Big 12 right now, and I'm like, okay, we got to get to 20, I'm inviting Arizona, Arizona State, CU, Utah. Yeah. And then I, I saw scenarios where they were going after Louisville and Pittsburgh and the U and like Boise State and like San Diego State. And they're trying to get a conference from coast to coast. Yeah. If, if we're really going to be in a situation where only 80 teams get an opportunity to play for it, I guess that's the same way it is now. Because you really got to be good as a group of five team to get into the dance. Do you think if they do go to that 80 team situation, Notre Dame joins a conference, they expand the playoff? Yeah, I, I think playoff expansion is going to happen. I, I think, I think that that's, I think every, most, most coaches want it to happen. Obviously they tabled it with the NCAA legislation this past year, but I think that's going to happen eventually. I, I think the hard part with the PAC 12 is, you know, they need to sign this media deal. And again, I keep coming back to it, but they need to close this deal because it then gives them leverage. Can they go poke? can the Pac-12 poach some Big 12 guys to come to the Pac-12? You know, can they go after, um, you know, a couple of those schools? Because you know, like you just said, the Big 12, if you're the Big 12, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah makes so much sense for the Big 12. If, oh, it would be huge. And then Colorado going back to the Big 12, too, you've got established rivalries with exactly. Kansas State and Oklahoma State and Kansas and Iowa State and all those schools. Yeah, that was I, the and, division I played in. And, and, and if Arizona State can, can, can you know, figure things out, you, you, I mean, that's, a, that's the Phoenix media market. I mean, that's a, like, you know, that, that's going to be pretty, pretty appealing to a lot of conferences as well. So, um, yeah. Do you think Oregon so, and Washington would be a Big 12 fit, or do you think they would be better off in the Big 10? I think they're more of a Big 10 fit. I mean, I, I, I said that as soon as I saw that USC and UCLA were going to the Big 10, and my first thought was they, they got – Washington just feels like a big 10 team to me. Like they just like feel like they belong, you know, they kind of seem out of place in the pac 12 when they're, when they're running, they're like too tight end, like power, <laughs> all their sets. I'm like, they, they belong in the big 10. Um, and then Oregon, I, I think if you, you know, I think if the big 10 could get Washington, Oregon, that'd be huge. Um, but you know, that, that, that makes it really a true, uh, a true, you know, uh, countrywide conference where, you know, there's a lot of travel crazy, going man. back and forth there, man. Well, I, look, college football is incredible, and I don't know if there's any way that you can not like it, even with all these things. The last thing I want to talk to you about college football is the rivalry part of this. I, I hate the fact that so many of the rivalries have gone to the wayside, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think there's any way moving forward in the future where if you're in this 80-team league, right, and – do you think that they'll go out of that league to keep playing the lower level teams or will they fit? Will everybody fill their schedules like 12, 13, 14 games if they play more with rivals? So it's West Virginia and Pittsburgh start playing again and CU and Nebraska start playing again and Texas and Texas A&M, they're going to be a, a, or a division game now. They'll start playing again. But 
you can't lose Bedlam. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State aren't going to play. Like, I know we always came back to this and they'll adapt, but that don't make it right. Like, yeah. Washington and Washington State aren't going to play for the Apple Cup. Oregon and Oregon State aren't going to play the Civil War. Like, just, it, it seems like they're taking what I love so much about college football and the natural yeah. hatred and rivalry. And they're just like, Oh, well, money's more important than that. And I don't think it is. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, can't that, we do that, both? That, like, can't that, we that, have rivalries and make money? I think, I think, I think they got to figure out a way to do it. That's what makes college football so great. You know, you think about even like from as an East coast guy, like the, the Penn state versus Pitt. like why, like why do Penn state and Pitt? why do Penn state and Pitt not play every year? I mean, it's every just year. like, can we figure that out? You know, like how, how does that happen? Um, you know, and they tried to do it. They did it for a few years there. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I think they got to find a way to make that, to make that happen. But like we said, they adapt. I mean, I th- like, I think now the cool, one of the coolest things I keep thinking about the Penn state USC rivalry every year. I mean, that, that's going to be, a, that's going to be a big game every year. You know, it's, it's, you got two programs that really think that they're like better than everybody else. And you know, that, they're they're morally USC you know, is smug. There's no doubt. Exactly, and then you got the Penn State, you know, <laughs> who just you know, it's it's it. So I I think that's going to be a great rock. Like some of those like that that come out of this will be cool as well. So like, there's no the the regional part of rivalry. Do you think that's still a big part of college football, or is that just the historical part of it? I think it's the historical part. I think I think it used to be more of a thing when they're when when things were geographically aligned. You played in your conference based on right. geography. You you didn't have social media, so it was like the kids. You know, nowadays no the kids all the kids all know each other anyhow. The kid the the best recruit in in Philly knows the best recruit in in Oregon. You know, like they're they're friends. So like the rivalries can still kind of develop there. Like where back in the day it used to be your rivals with the kids you went to high school with because you know right. the good players the good players out of Bishop McDevitt in Pennsylvania. Some went to Penn State, some went to Pitt, some went to Maryland, some went, and they all were, were, were rivals. Well, nowadays it's they're all going to the same seven on seven camps. They're all going to the same line academies, you know. So like it, it's kind of you know the 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 world is more connected than it ever was before. So the the geographical rivals don't have as much of an effect, which sucks, but it is what it is. Hopefully, college football. Can man, you're, you're you're old school, man. You're old school. I am, bro. Like I <laughs> I I played in the old Big Twelve, and I grew up watching the old Big Eight, and like it it's it still hurts me, but. I, when CU left the Big 12 and they ended their rivalry with Nebraska and we're not playing Oklahoma anymore, we're not playing Kansas State anymore, and, like, it, it really stuck a knife in my heart, bro, and I'm still bitter about it, and I don't know if I'll ever get over it because yeah. it was just – that was that's what you were sold on when you were a recruit. Yeah. Like, we're going to come here, and these, this is established, and it's tradition, and it's important. So I hope they can get back to it because I think they can do both and still – make money and have rivalries and make everybody happy. So hopefully they can expand the, the schedule as well. So Adam Brenneman joining us here on uh, Savage and Average from Six Zero Strength. Remember to go check out everything at Six Zero Academy on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And it's the same for my man, AB. Go just type his name as you'll find Adam Brenneman 81 on all the platforms. Follow him. Make sure you watch his podcast. Uh, he does a great job uh, and all uh, changing and just, just uh, changing the narrative on college football and the way people think and, uh, I, I love his show, so make sure you go check it out. Let's get into the NFL here, AB. Um, I got to ask you about Deshaun Watson right off the bat, okay? And yeah. I, it's it's something we only do this show once a week, and I know it was the beginning of the week, but I I was watching the NFL Network when they came down with the ruling, and I can't remember the lady's name that was doing the the – like the she's the driver of the show, right? And she was emotional, though. She was like crying on the screen that something like this 
11 games of 5 million bucks and essentially just is this the creepiest most scumbag shit you've ever seen from the NFL and Deshaun Watson this is this is like sexual predator stuff you only yeah. get 11 games but Calvin Ridley's gone for a year for making a bet yeah no it's definitely I mean I, I read the uh, I forget what news organization did it but it might have been the New York Times came out with a like the big report on found a bunch of the text messages and the Instagram DMs and I mean, just some really, really weird stuff, man. Like, just just creepy, like, you know, just really mind-blowing, too, when you're in a position like he's in where you have enough money to really do whatever you to, – to do whatever you want. You don't – you know, it's just like why go down that path of, like, you know, what, what he did. It's, it's, it's really mind-blowing, and I think – you know, I think – not that it makes it right or wrong or anything, but the, the tough part I think that the NFL has been in just from, you know, from what I've read is that, you know, he wasn't charged criminally and, and the grand jury decided not to indict him. And so it, they, they've had that like kind of, um, you know, tough line to, to draw of, you know, are, are they the court system or is the court system, the court system? How can and they, how I, can I, they uh, see all that and not indict him? How, how, if it, if his name was Derek Watson and he worked at 7-Eleven, his ass would be in jail. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, there's just the privilege of he's he is the the Brown signed him and to pay him two hundred fifty million dollars. He can he probably has the ten the ten best lawyers that the world's ever seen. You know, and and, <laughs> and the resources to do it. So I think it, it's it's tough, man. It's it's um it's a good it, it's an interesting like just storyline from our our day and age and in our society. You know, when he goes out there in game 12 of the season after his living game suspension and he and he throws for five touchdowns, everyone's going to forget about it. And it's it's sad. You know, it really is. And it, it's like, you know, I don't know how the NFL does it. I don't know how, you know, I don't know how the, the Browns, you know, can, you know, look at their, you know, female employees in the eyes and say, you know, this is, you know, we, we signed this guy and. But, you know, I, I don't – it is it is tough, and I struggle talking about it sometimes because I don't know all the details. And yeah, I don't, I don't know, know what I can and can't say about it. Exactly, like I, yeah. I don't know and, what's going to piss everybody I'm sure there's off. Stuff that, I'm sure there's stuff that we don't know, and I'm sure there's I'm sure there's things that are worse that we don't know, and I'm sure there's things that would be a defense to him well, that I was we don't gonna know. Say, I bet it, you it's, it's worse. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So I'm sure they're, they're, both, they're on both sides. But, yeah, it's just a, such an interesting dynamic and such a tough, you know, really – you know, and even like, you know, his, his, the, the Browns have seemed to have handled this just so poorly. I mean, you, you saw like, oh, you saw that they, they, they had Deshaun on, on a pregame show and he apologizes and says he's remorseful. And then, <laughs> and then the, the next, next day denied it. Exactly. The next day, <laughs> yeah. the, the owner is like, he did nothing wrong. He's not apologizing or anything. And they're like, but he just apologized on the Browns <laughs> pregame show. Um, so it's like, it, it's just, it's a mess, man. It's, it, it is. Yeah. And I, I know the clip you're talking about where, you know, some of the females on, on the, I think it was NFL network got yep. talking about it. So it, I, I mean, it, I, hope, tough, man. I hope Cleveland goes 0 and 17. Like I hope they don't win a damn game and football karma just bites them in the ass. And I don't think that's going to happen because they're loaded, but still that's, there's gotta be some kind of like standard at some point. And obviously the NFL has the ability to just look by shit. So yeah, it is what it is. I wanted to get your opinion on this because I heard this story last night and I was just amazed by it. Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski almost got traded to the Las Vegas Raiders in 2020 before the pandemic. And John Gruden at the last minute killed the deal. Bro, 
That is way worse than anything he did in the emails, in my opinion, to get him fired. That shit would get him fired, in my opinion. If I'm the if I'm the owner, if I'm if I'm Mr. Davis and I'm sitting up there, how did he had to know this was going on? And yeah. this didn't come out like you have the opportunity to get Gronk and Tom Brady at the Raiders? No doubt. No. Oh my no, god, no. man. That that I mean and, 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 and the story is like on that. Well, the, and the interesting thing is when I saw that. I saw it on Twitter and I was like, okay, this is just because Dana White's the one who, the one who was yep. talking about it on, on, I yep. forget, show or whatever. And, well, and Brock uh, brought and, it up and Dana was like, well, exactly. Shit, if you're going to bring it up, I'm rolling with this. So I want to bet. I, I'm the one, I, I, I worked to put that deal together for Brady and Gronk to come to the Raiders. And it was almost a done deal. And at the last minute, Gruden blew the deal up and said that he didn't want him. And Whoa. all Whoa. hell broke loose, man. It, it was crazy. And, and, and Brady was already looking at houses, and it wasn't being said yet that Gronk was coming. So Las Vegas would have had Brady and Gronk the year that the Bucks won the Super Bowl, except Gruden blew the deal up. And there's so much story that goes along with this behind the scenes. And I, 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 I was never going to tell that story till. Gronk just said it, but uh, and, yeah. And Dana, let me well, tell you what exactly Brady was what not happened, happy. and you just told the story. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what happened. Happened. Wow! Breaking news: wow. you know, John Gruden screwed yeah. up. <laughs> going to the Raiders. Well, it worked that one best, and I'm glad it did not go through. Really? Yes, I am glad it did not. So you said he was ready to win the Super Bowl? Yes. No, I mean it all worked out for the best, man. I'm glad we went to Tampa. Tampa, man, it just worked out. I love. So I thought that it was like just Dana, just being Dana and talking, and then I, and then I saw like Gronk actually was confirmed it. And then yeah. when when you look back at some of the interviews Brady's done, Brady has mentioned before in interviews that there was a team that didn't want him, and like it's like he's like said that in, in passing before, and now it all makes sense. It's actually mind blowing. I, I don't know how, how dumb are you? I would, I would love to know like what the. Um, I would love to know like what the reasoning was or like what group, but yeah, that's way worse <laughs> than anything else he's done. Turning down Gronk and Tom Brady. I mean, like, yeah, it's I don't and, want and, Tom and Gronk. Literally. Yeah. For, for, yeah. For Derek Carr. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Take him. Yeah. Appreciate no doubt. it. No doubt. So yeah, if I'm a Ra- if I'm a Raider fan or if I'm in Vegas and I'd be, I might be go protest the team and he didn't even work there anymore. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt, man. Yeah. It's such an interesting story that, you know, this is, this is one of the cool parts and not to go off subject too much, but like one of the cool parts about where we are in the day and age of like media of, you know, athlete driven media and stuff is you get to hear these kinds of stories. Like Gronk was on that, that, that network. And, you know, back in the day, athletes, you know, when I, even when I was playing, like athletes never really did meet, they didn't really open up about anything. They didn't do their own shows or their own podcasts. They just kind of talked to the reporters and Articles came out and that was it. But now you see so many guys like doing their own podcasts, hosting their own shows, having other guys on their each other's podcasts. Yeah. You get to hear these kinds of stories that like we wouldn't have, we would never get to hear before just because we had like, Gronk on some TV show. So it's pretty cool. Like yep. this is it it's just brings ass. us all closer to the closer to the game, and, and we can all it gives us more more to talk about. <laughs> well, it gives it gives the players a more personal aspect to the fans too, and exactly. everybody listening yeah. because you know they get some real world stories and they you know we've had 
Atwater and you on the show and Derek yeah. Wolf and yada, yada, yada. And everybody opens up and they're a little bit more personable than they would just be in with the, you know, the way yeah. they used to tell us yeah. back in the day with the media, like just answer the questions, vanilla, yeah. say everybody's doing a good job, congratulate your yeah. opponent, get off, get off the, get off yeah. the mic. So um, from an NFL perspective this year, Adam, when you're looking at the AFC and the NFC, and I, I think that, you know, if you're top two or three teams in each conference, what the Bills did yesterday and just watching Josh Allen, he is – Buffalo is scary in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, Kansas City is a good team, but I don't know if they're going to be back where they were. How do you feel about the Broncos specifically? Oh, I like, I like the Broncos. I, I think I think they got a chance to be really good. I think, um, you know, I think Judy's obviously one, one of the best in the league. And um, I, li I like the Broncos a lot. I mean, I think, I think it's tough in preseason because – you know, I always struggle and I've been trying to watch most of the games, um, someone right now um, of, you know, breaking down the young guys, trying to see how a team's going to be. And then realizing that the Baltimore, Baltimore Ravens haven't lost a preseason game in like six, six years. Uh, <laughs> and it doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to translate, uh, you know, too, too much uh, to the, to the regular season. So, um, you know, I always, I always struggle with that. I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm just super excited to, uh, to, you know, to see Russell and, and, you know, what, what, what he does. And, and, you know, I think, he, I think he's in a point where he could really have a kind of like the second coming or the second leg of his career, be really, really strong and has a good cast around him. So I, I think, I think it's going to be a good spot for him. And I'm, I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see how, how, uh, you know, how Russell plays and, and, and where the, uh, you know, where, where, where the, where he takes that franchise. Have you ever seen the NFL this deep at the quarterback position? Because I, you look around at damn near every team, and they've got a dude. No doubt, and there's dudes everywhere. I've never seen it like this before. I mean, even when I was growing up, there's good quarterback play, but then there's also just like, eh, you know, like they, they, we know who the elite guys are every year. Yeah. Right now, I, I think it'd be hard pressed to make a top ten and not leave like five, six, seven guys off of it that deserve to be on it. Yeah, no doubt. No, I think. Uh... Yeah, I mean, we're, we're in the NFL. It's so clear now more than ever that you need an elite quarterback to win games. I mean, it's just like it, you could have the best talent around you ever, and if you don't have a good quarterback, it ain't happening. And the things that a good quarterback can do when the rest of your team's bad is, you know, is is amazing. So teams have invested more and more than ever. You just saw the deal Kyler Murray got with the Cardinals. You, How do you, you got, feel uh, about that deal? <laughs> with his uh with his no video games clause in the deal i mean i i i, I think and i'll say this i gotta be careful because i i know a lot of the cardinals guys really well in their front office and a bunch of my buddies work there but i i think um i know they love kyler kyler is so talented and and uh you know he's grown so much you know he went in the into the nfl as a young kid who was probably a little bit immature and i think he's he's grown a lot um you know, but you, you think you think about the Cardinals and Kyler. I mean, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kine bet their careers on Kyler Murray when they when yes, they, took they did. They, they took Josh Rosen. I mean, and you almost got to respect the humility from from Steve Kine to get rid of Josh Rosen after one year. First one round year. draft pick gets rid of him and picks Kyler Murray the next year with the first pick of the draft. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, that takes number one some humility to say I screwed up 
and 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 move on that fast and realize it's not working and this was the wrong choice. Um, but they bet their careers on him, man. So and and they're paying him like they bet their careers on him now. So he better he better uh, you know he needs to win win some playoff games, man. I mean the 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 the, the abysmal downfall of the Cardinals last season was hard to watch almost. I mean to go. Well, from, I mean it, it was just tough to see when we thought they were going to win the Super Bowl and run the table. <laughs> when Call of Duty comes out. Kyler Murray goes in the paint, <laughs> Dude, so. that, That's the funniest. That's the funniest graphic I've ever seen, man. I, I, I saw funny, a TikTok dude. on that the other day. That was that was dumb. <laughs> Guys, if if Call of Duty comes out, the Cardinals are <laughs> no doubt. Um. So okay, do you ever think that the the money will level out for quarterbacks, or in ten years from now, are we going to be looking at a quarterback making a hundred million dollars a year? Because yeah. the numbers are getting ridiculous. Where the rest of the team, like, has got to be looking at the queue, like, man, you better be good. Yeah, no, no, well, the the um, you know salary cap we keep go, keeps going up and up. I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think, I think quarterbacks. The reality is, teams realize that you need an elite quarterback, or you're not going to win games. And uh, you know, I think they're they're clearly paying them like like they realize that. And it, it it is, you know, the the perfect model is finding a guy older like Tom Brady who doesn't need a bunch of money and is willing to take a pay cut to to uh, you know to bring in some other players around him. And I think. You know, the problem the Cardinals are going to have now moving forward is like the Cardinals spent almost all their money on on Kyler Murray. And now, now they got to pay all these other veterans. It's like it's a tough scenario. So, you know, you, you better hope that, um, you know, if, if when you pay a quarterback that much money, you, you better make sure you draft well. You have to draft well and you can't miss on draft picks because you don't have the money to sign these veterans once you pay a quarterback $100 million a year. You know, like I mean you have that. to you have to draft guys and you have to hit on your first, second, but more importantly, your third through seventh round picks, they have to be making. That's the meteor team. It's a meteor team every year. You can't miss. If you miss on pick, you know, on a pick in the fourth, fifth and sixth round. I mean, that's a huge void in your team that you now have to go fill with veterans that are, you know, that are, you got to pay more than rookies. Absolutely. Hey, so so right off the top of your head, Adam Brenneman's top five quarterbacks in the national football league right now, go five. Okay, so Come number on. one, n- number one, I, you you gotta go, uh, you gotta go, Josh Allen. I think I think Josh Allen's best in the NFL. Okay, two. so n- number one, Josh Allen. Number two, Aaron Rodgers. Number three, I'm going Justin Herbert. Ooh. Number four, Tom Brady. Number five, Patrick Mahomes. Damn, Mahomes. So wait, what? Fifth. So what? What? What did I just? Where's say? Joe I, Burrow? I, 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 he's, he's got to be six. Hold on. You put me on the spot quick there. So I know, I'm, I think, I I'm now, I'm now rethinking. So Josh, I was really confident in Josh Allen being the best. I think he's, the best uh, he is unbelievable. Yeah. So, but it's funny because some people, when you ask them, they, they have him at like number eight, you know, but it, so what, what, what I, I went there, I went, I went Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. No, you went, you went, uh, Allen, Rodgers, Herbert, Herbert. Brady, Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah, I so like Justin that. Herbert's I, a better player than Patrick Mahomes right now, in your opinion. I know it sounds I knew crazy you were say that, dude. I think I think he is, man. I, I don't. I'm not a huge like. I, I don't, I'm not huge on sipping the Mahomes Kool Aid. To be honest with you, I think he played like last year, man. There were some bad games they played, man. Like the, uh, he he makes some big mistakes, um, and uh, and mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see him without Tyreek Hill. I mean, you know, I'm. I'm I, I don't think whole, but, Kansas City is going to make the playoffs this year. I've said yeah, it. I, 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 I think, think they're, they're going to be that good. Trouble. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. I, hey, I, I, hey, listen. With, I I think I like my top five there. I'm I'm. Sure, I, I I'm dig your top five too. I, I really do. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, and then you know Mahomes <laughs> might move out of that fifth spot too because Joe Burrow's pretty damn good. I was going to say Lamar the Jack other thing. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking now. Where would I put like? Yeah. 
I'm thinking, well, like Joe Burrow almost has to be in the top five, but yeah, <laughs> he is. Um, he is electric. Bro. <laughs> hey, so okay, so go take that full circle. I was in here with my quarterbacks this morning, and we always talk about quarterback play and so on and so forth. And I personally think that Mahomes gives kids this like false sense of security that they can do the shit they're watching him do. And I'm like, guys, yeah. he can get away with this because he's Patrick Mahomes and he can't get away with it for too much longer because they got tape on him and they know. Yeah. And the kids try and mimic what they're watching from Mahomes. And I'm like, you can't roll across the field and throw it sidearm 35 yards across the other side of the field. That's you're going to get killed. Your receiver is going to get killed and you're going to throw a pick and they, they don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> they want to be that guy. So do you think that Mahomes is good for the, the the maturation of the quarterback position moving forward, or should guys focus more on the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, you know, the the Aaron Rodgers? I won't say Josh Allen because Josh Allen is like a modern day John Elway, but yeah. those those other four, like if I'm a quarterback, I'm telling my guys to model after that, even if they are super athletic, 100, yeah. percent just to see if they can function at that level. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing more and more guys in the NFL in that mold of, you know, Patrick Mahomes making off-platform throws, sidearm throws. Aaron Rodgers does it a lot, to be honest with you. He makes a lot of, like, off-platform, unconventional throws. Like, you know, you got the Kyler Murrays, the Lamar Jacksons. Um, I think a couple of things. Number one, Lamar or, uh, um, Patrick Mahomes is probably the most talent, has the most arm talent in the NFL. Just, just pure arm talent, like making throws, like – you know, just like who who can make the toughest throws in the toughest situation. Patrick Holmes probably had some of the best arm talent. So he can do that kind of stuff. I would venture to say 99.9% of quarterbacks any of us ever work with don't have that kind of arm talent. Can't so number one, throw, throw that out the window. Number two, Patrick Mahomes does that, but he also, because of it, makes an ultra excessive amount of mistakes. He yes. throws interceptions. He, he misses throws when he's off platform. It cost him a chance for another Super Bowl berth last year, bro. Exactly. So, exactly. So, I, I think, you know, for kids just to watch Patrick Mahomes and say, I'm going to start making off-platform throws. And, you know, it, it's it, – and the reality is, too, with this, if you watch Patrick Mahomes early on in his career, uh, especially in college, he wasn't making off-platform throws. He started to do that as he got better and better and got more confident and got more swagger. And so, like, it's not like Patrick Mahomes woke up and started throwing sidearm every play to – on slant routes you know he was staying in the pocket he was delivering strong throws he, so you know i think kids need to just take it one step at a time be a good quarterback play in the pocket and don't try to model after probably the most talented you know best arm talent that we've seen in a long time you know what i think we should do we should convince patrick mahomes to trade jack jackson mahomes to russia for Brittany Briner. I, I i that would be a pretty good trade yeah, you guys can take Jackson. <laughs> give us Brittany back. All, All right. right, so uh, we'll get you out of here on this next one. Uh, the great Adam Burnerman uh, joining us here on Savage and Average. Remember to go follow him on all the platforms and definitely listen to his podcast. And And down the road, I'll, I'll jump on yours and, and we'll yeah, cut we'll it up on your podcast as well. I wanted to get your opinion on the tight end position has grown so much, um, especially during my lifetime watching you know, I grow up watching guys like Shannon Sharp and Tony Gonzalez and Ben Winter Coates and guys like that. And now it's turned into this, you know, Kelsey and Waller and all these just animals everywhere, all of the NFL. We've got a couple of really, really talented tight ends out of this room. We talked about Cole Taylor earlier who's at LSU, who I think is yeah. going to end up being a draftable player. He's a really good player. Yeah. He's a he's a stud. And we've got some dudes in here. Simon Kibbe right now is a big six eight tight end from Grandview. He's a great player. And Mason Cowgirl and all these these guys that 
that are striving to go be like you and Kelsey and these other cats that played the position at such a high level. When you're talking about the best tight ends of all time, are you going more modern era or do you, do you go from a historical standpoint of like Ozzie Newsom didn't get the ball thrown to him that much. If he was playing yeah. in today's league, how good would he be? Winslow, how good would he be? You know, I look at it and I'm, I, I say got guys like Sharp, Gonzalez, Rob Gronkowski, obviously Ozzie Newsom, Travis Kelsey. Where do you where do you sit on the tight end hierarchy? Yeah, the tight end position is interesting and difficult because there's so many different types of tight ends and guys who do different kinds of things, you know, and and guys who it's 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 really a, a few positions molded into one. So, you know, it's it, it's it's you kind of, at the tight end position. There's really three different kinds of tight ends. You have the true flex guy, you have a true hybrid, and you have a true like inline guy, like an Aussie new somebody didn't get the ball thrown to him a ton. Um, you know, as far as like the top ones of all time, I think obviously because I'm younger, I skew towards like the newer generation because I never saw Shannon Sharp play. I never saw Ozzie Newsom play. I never saw Kelly Winslow Sr. play. Um, but, you know, if, if we're going top five, I think I think you got to start with Tony Gonzalez. I, I would probably go – I would probably go Robert like, Who did you watch when you were playing? Who did you fall back on and watch? Uh, so when I was playing, man, uh, funny story, I was going to, uh, so I went to Penn State, played for Bill O'Brien, right? So Bill O'Brien had just gotten to the to Penn State um, and when he had just, he just left the Super Bowl season with the Patriots in 2012, I think it was. And that was the year that they, that, that it was kind of one of the years where the, you know, the tight end position in the last like five, 10 years has become like a, like a really cool position. Like back in the day, yeah. like no one wanted to be a tight end. It wasn't cool to be a tight end. Now it's like, you know, tight ends like sexy and like everyone wants to be a tight end because it's a cool, you know, but that really started, in my opinion, like the trend of like younger kids wanting to be tight ends was really like Gronk with the Patriots. And the one season was Gronk and Hernandez playing with the Patriots. Um, And, and I remember going to Penn state and, and, uh, and Bill O'Brien, like, showing my film when he was recruiting me and, like, comparing me to Gronk and Hernandez. Now, obviously, you don't want to be compared to Hernandez anymore. Um, nope. But, but, uh, but you know, just <laughs> – but it was just – those were the types of guys that I watched, you know. You had um, – you know, you had – I remember watching, like um, – like, I was an Eagles fan. It's so like Brent Selleck with the Eagles. Oh, yeah. Had, Brett Selleck yeah, was so, a dude, bro. No doubt, man. So I remember like watching all those guys. But, uh, but yeah, Grok's kind of like the one, obviously, everyone t- get, grew up. Like, that's why I wore 87 in high school. Like, Grok was kind of the guy. I, I think he's the best tight end that's ever played. The most complete player at the position. He'll block the hell out of you. He's yeah. physical. He can run away from you. He's unguardable when he's in, when he's in the middle of the field. And then you, Tom Brady just – Tom and Gronk. It's like yeah. Joe and Jerry Rice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just, and it's I, one of I, those connections that's historically great. So I also love, I love Jason Witten. And I, I did a video oh, saying, that he, that he, I did a video saying he's one of the best tight ends to ever play. And I got a lot of flack for it. Uh, yeah, why would but, anybody give flack on that? He's a first ballot uh, hall. He's been out no, for what, three years now, too? Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he's three, a first ballot hall yeah. famer, bro. And, and he's getting better on TV, too. His, his broadcasting skills are getting pretty good. He was bad for the first year. And then, he, and then he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's much better now. Um, I, I call games on TV, but, um, but no, I think, I think Witten's a guy who just like showed up every day. He knew what you're going to get. He wasn't the most athletic, wasn't the fastest, but like made plays consistently, just like a true tight end. Like, like what you want a tight end to be when you think of a tight end is Jason Witten. Um, and durable yeah, as hell played all durable, the time. You never, never, never saw Witten on the yeah. sideline. So no doubt. 
All right, AB, that puts a wrap on and a nice bow on the Sunday edition of Savage and Average. Hey, tell everybody real quick how they can uh, follow you on the social media platforms and tell them about your show. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Um, you can follow me on social media at Adam Brenneman 81 um, on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram. I post a lot of uh, video content of just breaking down different stuff and yep. whether it's NIL, college football, NFL, recruiting, all kinds of stuff. Um, and then I have a show where I basically kind of like we're doing right now, interview some interview, different guys had on Jared Goff and Kenny Pickett and Mike Kosicki and a bunch of NFL dudes talking about their careers and life behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff. So find that on YouTube, um, just search my name on YouTube, all that stuff will come up. So, um, but yeah, I man, this was fun. We, we got to do it again sometime. You, you got to come on my show. Yeah, yeah just let me know and I'll, I'll, I'll be on it. So, we'll AB, you have a great Sunday and all the best to you and your family. Uh, make sure everybody go and follow uh, Adam. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show, brother. And you have a wonderful day. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, brother. Later, brother. All right, folks, that is a wrap. Episode eight of uh, Savage, an average down here from 6-0 Football Academy in Parker. I am your host, Matt McChesney. As always, big thanks to Travis Jones for all he does behind the scenes. Everybody, TikTok Live. Uh, Quit hating. I'm just fucking with you. You guys are doing a great job. Um, and then next week, we're going to have our high school football roundtable in here on uh, on Saturday. So we're going to have a bunch of the guys in, in the program here that are uh, excelling at a high level. Zach Hennings committed to Washington and Josh Bates is committed to the University of Oklahoma and uh, a bunch of the quarterbacks, Joe Capra and, and Cole LaCrue, who are both offered. Uh, Cole's got Central Michigan. Capra's got Colorado School of Mines and a couple others. On top of Gage Genther, the big tackle from Fossil Ridge, who's got a multitude of offers, uh, and some other guys that will be joining us here on the College Football Recruiting Roundtable, uh, where everybody gets the opportunity to talk as much shit about Coach Matt as humanly possible. And I don't got to say, I don't get to say anything about it. I just get to sit there and take it like they do the other 363 of the year. So I'm your host, Matt McChesney. Uh, thank you so much for uh, listening once again. And remember, you can follow everything at Sixer Academy. Uh, on the three platforms and then check out the show on YouTube, which is uh, linked there on the Instagram account. Okay. Thanks folks. Have a great Sunday and uh, go bust.